Well, we appreciate Brother Phil Randolph as our guest song later today. I knew he could lead singing because I've been to Highland Heights and I've heard him lead singing there. So we didn't have any doubt about his ability to lead singing and we appreciate his willingness to do so. Appreciate very much. Good to see Phil and have him and his family here with us. And some of Marin's other family, her daughters, with us too. Glad to have them with us. And all who are visiting with us, appreciate your presence so very much. Sister Jan Jenkins had asked that I read uh, this card, this note to our family at White Oak Church of Christ. Thank you as a small word to express to all of you for your outpouring love, prayers, and kindness of deeds given to me during these last four months. After a visit to Dr. Njeti last week, I realized Bill could not get well. Thank you for supporting me at the funeral and the beautiful flowers, the special lunch served for our family. Bill would have been very proud in Christian love, Jan. Well, we miss Bill very, very much, and I will always remember that sweet, gentle uh, demeanor and the wonderful spirit and the willingness to work that Bill Jenkins had over the years that I was blessed to know him, and he will be sorely missed, no question about that. We appreciate, again, your presence this morning. You know, I guess it was last May I was in a gospel meeting in Indianapolis, Indiana, where my longtime friend and very faithful fellow gospel preacher, Ben Vick, preaches and also serves as one of the elders. And uh, I was planning to go there for the meeting, and he was asking me what time I was going to be there and on that Saturday. And I told him, and it was, uh, he said, well, I, that'll, that'll be good because I won't be back. I'm running a half marathon uh, that day, and uh, so I won't be back until, you know, about the time you'll get here anyway. And then, of course, I, while I was there, we talked some about running. And then my son-in-law, Kevin, Ruiz, who preaches in Maryville at Eastside, he has really gotten into running. And so the more I heard about all of this uh, activity, and Courtney Huter, she's a runner and has been a runner, Jared Outdoors, I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe I need to do some of this myself. And so Ben Vick told me there was a, an app you could get for your phone uh, called from, from Couch to 5K that you could go from your couch to running a 5K. I looked for one that said from couch to casket. That was kind of more my <laughs> style, but I didn't find that. So I, I decided, well, I'll just do that. I'll go see what I can do. And it starts you out just walking some, and then you run just a little bit, and then you walk again, and you run a little bit more, and you build up. And, you know, it, it really works pretty well, even for someone who's now 68 years old, because now... Uh, whereas I couldn't run for very far, very long at one time, I can, I can now run for 5K. I can run 3.1 miles. Now, run, I have to put in parentheses because uh, it's not more, it's more, and it's not really a jog. It's kind of a cross between a walk and a jog, so I call it a wog. <laughs> I just wog. <laughs> but I get there in about 40 minutes or so, sometimes less depending upon the wind, and so forth, <laughs> but um, but anyway, uh, I I have I have developed physically uh, in that respect to the point that I can do a lot more, and there's a certain feeling of satisfaction with that. Well, I said all that to say this, and that is this morning we're going to talk about something far more important than whether or not I can 
uh, walk a 5K distance. And that is we're going to talk about Paul's program for spiritual development. Because really, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, we do have a program, if you will, an inspired program that the Apostle Paul gives us for our spiritual development. Here's what those verses tell us. Paul writes, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Then he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The King James says the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now there we have, we have really a beautiful inspired program for spiritual development that can take us from where we are all the way ultimately to heaven itself. The Apostle Paul writing says, I have not already attained. I haven't reached that goal. I haven't arrived there. And I understand that I have not arrived there. I understand that I have not already been perfected in the sense that I do not enjoy that absolute perfection. Now sometimes the word perfection is used in the sense of maturity or completeness in terms of spiritual maturity. And certainly there is a level of spiritual maturity that we should reach before we reach the absolute perfection when this life is over. But I think in this context he has in mind he hasn't, he hasn't reached that ultimate perfection. That perfection where there is no pain anymore. That perfection where there is no temptation anymore. That perfection where there is no sin anymore. Where there is no sorrow. Where all the tears are wiped away. I'm not there yet. But I am determined to be there. I am pressing on. Because I want to lay hold. I want to lay hold. Now I have read that there was a a poll uh, at the end of a, a race, and that's the figure that is being used by Paul here, is the idea of running, the idea of running a race. But I'm told there was a, a poll upon which the, the winner, the first to arrive, laid hold and grabbed, indicating that he had obtained that prize. He had reached that goal. And that may be the very figure Paul has in mind because we know that it is a, a running figure, if you will, that he has in mind, an Olympic illusion, if you will, that he has in mind here. And he's saying, I haven't, I haven't laid hold of that. I'm not at that, that stage yet, that stage of absolute perfection. But I'm pressing on so that ultimately I will be able to lay hold of that, notice, for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. In other words... Christ Jesus has laid hold of me for a purpose. He's laid hold of me for the purpose of allowing me to ultimately lay hold of that prize that he has, not only for me, but for all those, remember what he said near the end of his life, who have loved his appearing. I've fought the good fight, finished the course. I have kept the faith. Therefore, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those who have loved His appearing. That's the beauty of the Christian race, 
is that there is not one winner. All who run determinedly, determinately, all who run with determination, all who run with perseverance, all who run to the end win. We all win. And Paul says, I've been laid hold by Jesus Christ for a purpose. Now, specifically for the Apostle Paul, the purpose for which Jesus laid hold of him was not only to make him a Christian through obedience to the gospel of Christ, but after his becoming a Christian, to enable him and to appoint him as an apostle of Christ in order to preach the gospel for as long as he lived. And with every fiber of his being, despite, deter- despite uh, persecution, despite uh, sorrow, despite trials and tribulations, the Apostle Paul was faithful to the end. But at the time he wrote these words to the Philippians, he hadn't reached that ultimate perfection. And he understood that Christ had laid hold of him. But there is a sense very definitely in which Christ has laid hold of everyone who's here this morning who's a child of God, who is a Christian. You've been laid hold of. You've been laid hold of by the Christ through the gospel. And we'll talk more about that as we come to the latter part of these verses. But Christ has laid hold of all of us if we're Christians this morning. And he wants us to have the same attitude and maintain the same actions that the Apostle Paul did until the day of his death so that ultimately we can lay hold of that prize. And so he further elaborates then by writing, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now I want us to think about three things that we can draw from these verses that are vitally important if we are to be able to achieve ultimately what we know Paul achieved, and that is laying hold of that prize, being faithful unto death. First of all, there has to be, there has to be a self-evaluation. And that's what Paul is is telling us in these verses, that self-evaluation is vitally important. There's a vast difference between self-evaluation and self-satisfaction. Because for the Christian, there must always be a healthy dissatisfaction. And I stress healthy dissatisfaction. Because no Christian should be unhealthily dissatisfied, but healthily dissatisfied, a healthy dissatisfaction. That's what Paul is expressing in these verses that we are concentrating upon. I have not arrived. I have not arrived. I know that I have growth to achieve. It just gets back to the physical running plan. You don't stop when you're running one minute and walking two minutes running one and walking two, and say, well, that's, I believe that's good enough. No, if your goal is a 5K, then you've got to follow the program. If you're going to get there, eventually, you've got to follow the program and recognize that you evaluate yourself and recognize where you are versus where you want to be and where you need to be. 
Every child of God has to do that. But let me add also that every congregation needs to do that. That there needs to be a self-evaluation congregationally. And the White Oak Church cannot become self-satisfied, but we must constantly self-evaluate and determine how we can do more. And I'll talk specifically more about that in terms of what more we are going to be doing and how exciting that is to think about the future and how much can be done and will be done with God's help as we go forward. But self-evaluation is crucial. Not that I have already attained. When someone comes out of the waters of baptism, he or she does not come out of the waters of baptism saved, as we've often said, to sit, but coming out saved to serve and saved to grow and to develop. And tragically, many times that does not happen. But Peter says it should, remember? As newborn babes, 1 Peter 2, verse 2, desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. Desire the milk of the Word. Recognize where you are when you're a new Christian. You're a babe. You recognize that. You evaluate yourself and you understand, I have got to move forward. We have got to evaluate ourselves. I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, where Paul, the same writer, wrote this, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Prove yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? We can be disqualified from the race. We can become disqualified. Therefore, in order to prevent that disqualification, we need a self-evaluation. Self-evaluation goes a long way to help prevent disqualification. And so I cannot, I cannot let my standard be lower than this. This has to be my standard by which I evaluate myself. So when Paul writes, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith, in the faith, means whether or not you are a Christian. And the only way you can know that is right here, isn't it? So therefore, self-evaluation is crucial. And Paul said, not that I have already attained. I'm evaluating myself constantly and recognizing that I cannot rest on my laurels, so to speak, but I have to grow. And that leads to the idea of singleness of purpose. One thing I do. One thing I do. Now, I know that obviously there are many things that we do, so to speak, in this life that we have to do in order to sustain our lives, obviously. And Paul understood that, obviously. So he, but he, what he is saying here is, I have one overriding, overwhelming purpose in my life, and everything I do, everything I do, all the other things I do revolve around that one thing and are really, in a sense, a part of that one thing that I am never going to lose sight of. When I see one thing I do, I can't help but think about Jesus when he went into Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home. You remember? In Luke chapter 10, and Martha was distracted with so much serving and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him and Martha became quite agitated with her sister. 
and came to the Lord and said, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And how did Jesus respond? Remember, he said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. That's what we absolutely must do. We must choose that one thing that can never be taken away from us. We can forfeit it. We can give it up ourselves, but it can never be arbitrarily taken away. And that one thing is the singleness of purpose to go to heaven. And the only way we can get there is to make Christ our life. Not a part of our lives, but Christ must be our life. Earlier in this same epistle to the Philippians, Paul wrote these words. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What a statement. And someone says, yeah, it's great the Apostle Paul could feel that way, but I'm not the Apostle Paul. Oh, yes. You're not the Apostle Paul, no. But that's the statement every single one of us not only should make, but must make, really, to be what God would have us be. We have got to develop and grow, and our determination has to be that as long as we live, my whole life is going to be centered in Christ. That's why I'm living. Why are you here? Jesus, in his last hours, as he prayed to the Father, said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. That's our exact mission. Our exact mission is to glorify God in our lives and to finish his work. To finish his work. Not the same work that Jesus did. He was our sacrifice. He became the sacrifice for our sins. But we are to be his disciples and we are to work for him and live in him and recognize that as long as we do, that's how we're going to live. And then when we die, that'll just be game. That'll be game. Now, can you make that statement? Can you make that statement this morning? How do you finish it? For to me, to live is my husband, my wife, my family my whatever. For to me to live is what? A great many people would certainly not end that sentence, for to me to live is Christ. No, indeed. Because they're aiming at all the wrong things. And what a tragedy it is to aim at the wrong things and hit them. A tragedy to aim at the wrong things and to succeed there. And yet, that's what life is all about for a great many people. I want to be the best in my field, uh, whatever that field is, and I'm devoting so much time and energy to that effort so that I can get there. And I'm devoting so much time that I have precious little time for this or for the Lord and His work and His church. Rationalization sets in in any number of ways while we still convince ourselves that we're really focused when we're not focused at all. 
That's what the devil wants. That's what the devil wants. To take our eyes off the goal is his aim. But that's why it's so important for us to see the goal. I press toward the goal. I press toward the goal. And as I mentioned earlier, that's a determination that needs to be not only an individual determination with every one of us who are Christians, but it needs to be a determination that we make congregationally as well. And the self-evaluation needs to take place and the singleness of purpose because as the church, we're the pillar and ground of the truth. That's our, that's our purpose. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And the work of the church involves evangelism and edification and benevolence. Those are the three God-given works of the church, all really dovetailing ultimately into, into soul-saving, really, because we don't engage in benevolence simply and only to relieve a physical need. We have the hope as we relieve physical needs to, to be given an opportunity to reach that person or person's spiritual needs as well. And when we talk about the work of edification in the church, edifying the saved, that's an evangelistic effort in a sense, is it not? Because we're trying to keep the saved saved and help them get to heaven. And so congregationally, we cannot lose sight of the goal. And we need to have goals. And we need to set goals. And we need to pray about those goals and strive for those goals. And with that in mind, let me inject, for the benefit of, of the congregation as a whole, some of the exciting specifics about which we talked yesterday. As the elders have, have carefully looked at 2015 and evaluated uh, where we are and the resources that we have and the, the wonderful contribution that has averaged over 45 hundred dollars uh, a week in recent months, the giving that has taken place, the amount of money that we have in the bank and the discomfort that the elders feel with that much money in the bank right now and the determination to reduce that balance while at the same time we reach more souls and do more benevolence and help more people. And so we have had requests and we get requests from time to time, obviously, from those who, who need help. We're already helping others and we have determined to, in many cases, in those situations where the need is there, to increase that need. And so I have the sheets here that we shared with the men yesterday. And for the benefit of the congregation, I'd like to take a few minutes to talk about, in relation to seeing the goal, what our goals are for this congregation, for the immediate future, and we need to have long-term goals as well. Short-term, mid-range, long-term goals. In goal setting, that's basically uh, the process that one uses and congregations should use, I believe. Roger Leonard, we will increase his support $100 a month in the coming year. The Gospel Broadcasting Network, we will increase $200 a month, from 200 to 400 a month. Memphis School of Preaching, we received a request from Michael Clark, who will be entering the Memphis School of Preaching. Michael is B.J. Clark's son, 
B.J. is the director of the school, and Michael is trying to raise support to train to become a gospel preacher. And so we will be supporting him $200 a month. We already support the Tri-City School of Preaching, $500 a month. But Wesley Simons, uh, whom we have the greatest confidence in and love dearly, who preached for this congregation for seven years, does a great work. Wesley had informed us that there are some additional needs. One, sa uh, one faculty member uh, is uh, facing having to get some secular work to supplement unless the support can be raised. We don't want to see that happen. We want to do what we can. Uh, secretarial help uh, that they desperately need and so forth. But we're increasing that support from 500 to 800 a month. We're raising that $300. So the total there will be 800 a month. Daniel Howell was here some time ago on a Wednesday night uh, giving us a report and asking for help for the Southeast School of Biblical Studies, which was known for years as the East Tennessee School of Preaching and Missions. And we are supporting, going to support that work $200 a month. Also, Jared and Courtney Huter have been helping for uh, quite some time with uh, the work in Liberia, and there's a desperate need there. We have not only assumed that uh, support, and others of you have helped in that regard too, individually, and that was brought out yesterday in our men's meeting. We're going to take that and add 100 to it at this point in time. We'll evaluate it, but 200 a month will go to Liberia for the work uh, there with the uh, West Point congregation in Liberia. Randy English was here. I was not privileged to be here to hear Randy. I was away, but he was here, and Randy has asked for increase in support that he has not had or asked for for many, many years, and so we're doubling his support from 200 to 400 uh, a month. Uh, International Bible Teaching Ministries and there's a school, a preacher training school associated with this work, Ron Gilbert in Cookville, Tennessee, uh, uh, under the uh, Rocky Valley uh, Church near Cookville, their oversight. This work, uh, and I wish I had the statistics, I didn't think about them, thousands, several thousand baptisms. I forget how many congregations have been established on the continent of Africa. Uh, over 3,000 Bible correspondence course students, as I recall. And this is a work... They do campaign work, they do correspondence work, they do preacher training, and they also handle all of our Bible Correspondence Corps students that we have from overseas. If they, if they uh, approach us on the Internet, as many of our students do, and say, I want to enroll in your Bible course, and they're in Africa or wherever they are uh, overseas, we simply tell them you can go to this website, IBTM's website, and you can enroll in the, in the course there and take the course through them, and they will handle all of the follow-up and so forth and let us know and so forth. It's a great service that they're rendering to us in that regard. We will begin supporting them $400 a month. Fabric of Family, the very excellent television program with an emphasis on family, which is such a vital interest and important subject today in our society uh, with the disintegration of the family in many cases. Fabric of Family, we will increase their support from $100 to $200 a month. That's Barry Gilreath, Jr., and uh, the work that they do under the Jackson Heights Congregations Oversight in Florence, uh, Alabama. And then the Four Seas Bible College in Singapore is a work that was begun uh, many, many years ago by the late Ira Rice, has continued uh, over the years in a very faithful way. And uh, some time ago in 2007, Peter Chin became the director of that school. 
Peter and Puifun, his wife, we came to know when we first went to Malaysia to do mission work in Malaysia. And uh, I've told you the story, I know I'll never forget though, we were in the hotel there, uh, first night or so we arrived and everybody's sitting around talking and we'd had the long trip halfway around the world and they, so people kept saying Pui Fun, something, Pui Fun this and Pui Fun that and Pui Fun and I said, what is a Pui Fun? And they said, that's Pui Fun right there, Peter Chen's wife. <laughs> so it wasn't a what, it was a who. But Peter and Pui Fun are wonderful Christians and Peter, uh, when we had to leave Malaysia because of the change in the government situation in 1987, the Malaysia School of Preaching had been started as an adjunct of Memphis School of Preaching. And Peter agreed to be the administrator in my absence when we left. And as long as that school was in existence and needed, he did a great job with that. And so then Peter came to Memphis School of Preaching and trained for two full years there and went back to Singapore as the head of Four Seas Bible College. Uh, we have the utmost confidence in Peter, but he has not had an increase in his personal support since he went there in 2007. And this uh, work is overseen by the Coldwater Congregation in Coldwater, Mississippi, where Billy Bland is one of the elders. And Billy and I were in school together at Memphis in the 70s, and he is one of the teachers at the Memphis School of Preaching. I spoke with Billy about support, and at that time we were thinking 300, we were since able to raise it to four, and Billy hadn't heard about that because he's overseas in India right now and on to Singapore. But I spoke with him and he said, oh yes, it is sorely needed because he said what happens is we have two funds, Peter's salary fund and then we have the operational fund for the college, for the Four Seas College, and many times we're having to take the funds out of the Four Seas operational fund to put into Peter's salary so that they can continue to make it. And uh, he said this will help tremendously. So beginning in 2015, uh, we will send $400 a month there. Recently I received a call from Bill Thomas, the Clovis family that visits with us from time to time. Shane and Leah Clovis and their daughters who visit with us, uh, they're transitioning to Knoxville and they come through and visit with us some um, from Huntsville uh, through here. Uh, Bill Thomas is Leah Clovis's dad, faithful gospel preacher doing stateside mission work in Georgia, but he has had a shortfall recently of $150 a month. He does work near LJ. He also does a program on Gospel Broadcasting Network, and uh, for Christ and the Church it is called. So we have agreed to uh, help him with that support, $150 a month, to take care of that need. And then a a former student of mine who was a classmate of Tommy Leslie's when Tommy was in uh, the School of Preaching at Memphis, Doug Hoff in Clarion, Pennsylvania, um, is in need of $200 a month support. His family has not had medical insurance for three years now. He's doing stateside mission work in Clarion, where I held a meeting years and years ago when Dan Smith was the preacher there. It's a mission work in Clarion, near Pitt, not too far out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Doug is asking for 200 monthly. He hopes to be able to uh, give that up after a period of time, but we have decided to supply that 200 a month. Uh, Doug is a very capable man. He has his degree in electrical engineering, but he gave all that up to become a gospel preacher many years ago, uh, gave up that career, and has been a faithful preacher of the gospel for many, many years. And then Gary Hill, who was here back in the summer, gave us a report on the Chamala mission work, long-time mission work that was begun by Andrew Conley, the late Andrew Conley. Gary gave us a very exciting report about that work, and if I recall, mentioned that $65 a month would 
train a preacher for. I forget the length of time. It was a very impressive length of time, maybe 65 a month. Maybe that was it. But $65, I guess it was monthly. But we're going to send, uh, start sending $200 a month uh, for his work there to help train uh, gospel preachers there. Now, that does not include one-time mission work or evangelism work. David Amos, uh, who went to India last year, and we're helping him go again, and if he's able to go again, we'll help him again. That's approximately $3,000. For many years, uh, this congregation has helped Brother James Long go to the Caribbean for his annual mission trip to the Caribbean, and we'll continue to do that, $500. Uh, We talked about good news today, equipment upgrades and replacing cameras, and I won't go into a great deal of detail, but moving into a much better quality situation. And good news today is in a position to pay half of that $10,000 cost, which would be about $5,000. The church would would, uh, chip in the other half is what we uh, have determined. And you will see a tremendous increase in the quality uh, of the picture there because we're going to high definition and uh, it will make a difference in the final product uh, dramat- very significantly. And um, at times, you just need to upgrade based on technology, and the technology comes down in price and goes up in quality, which is a nice combination. Uh, house-to-house, heart-to-heart. We're going to send house-to-house, heart-to-heart to 4,000 additional homes. We're sending it to a little over 4,000 homes now, uh, six times a year. We'll send it to... Uh, 8,000 or so, over 8,000 homes uh, beginning in 2015. And we mentioned to the men yesterday that we we receive from house to house, heart to heart, we receive reports from requests they get in Tennessee, including our area. So if someone writes in and says, I want you to send me uh, the uh, dinosaur coloring book, which was one of the things offered for kids, I guess, recently. I want you to send me the dinosaur coloring book. We get that name and address, and then we will send them a packet of information with something is wrong with the Bible is right and other pertinent tracts, and we'll send that to them with an invitation to visit us at White Oak. So we'll be able to follow up, and we've already got a list with which to do that now. We hope to increase that dramatically when we add another 4,000 homes to our uh, mailing list. Uh, That's a total one-time expense of 21,500. And then we will consider additional one-time requests, such as mission trip expense requests, et cetera. We already know that Jared Skaggs, the student we support at Memphis now, and we'll be beginning uh, Michael Clark as well. Jared Skaggs has all the support he needs now, but he will be taking a restoration trip, and they have to raise funds for that in April. So we'll be helping him uh, with that. So that's an example of the one-time expenses that we will uh, be helping with. So... Back to the mission support, and the total monthly mission budget increase is $2,650 a month. That's new money, new expenditures, uh, $2,650 per month. We're now doing $3,100 a month, and that includes $200 a month for Roger Campbell. But we received a letter from Dunlap that uh, they want us to end that support in December. The Campbells are coming home in April, and they have enough money in the fund to finish out his support. And so that support has been included in the above totals that we uh, mentioned. We added some support to a couple of things there that I've already mentioned. So the new total for our mission work, stateside and foreign mission work, is $5,750 a month for the mission work. That's 29.3% of our total contributions based on an average weekly contribution of $4,533. 
So that's 29.3%. But then the total for monthly evangelistic efforts, which includes local, stateside, and foreign mission, uh, evangelism, which includes preacher salaries, retirement, etc., because that's a part of our evangelistic outreach, obviously, here. When you consider local evangelism, stateside, and foreign, the figure, the total figure represents 67.8%, 67.8% of our total contributions based on that average weekly contribution of 4533. And so 67.8% of the total contributions will be going to evangelism, either local, stateside, uh, or foreign. And that does not include the one-time mission expenditures of 21500 that I just mentioned. Those figures are not included in the 67.8%. So that would push it up uh, more, obviously. We also are going to be in touch with Potter Children's Home. Uh, based on a very good suggestion that our brother Tom McCormick made yesterday at the meeting. We do help them annually, but we're going to talk to them about how we can do more and what their needs are so that we can increase that benevolent outreach. We had already determined also to uh, purchase some uh, gift cards from Taco Bell, McDonald's, and Save-A-Lot uh, to be able to help with some food needs on a very effective basis. And Save-A-Lot does not sell cigarettes or liquor and so we can be assured that if we help someone with food, they cannot buy cigarettes or liquor with it. Uh, we had already made that determination even before we met yesterday. So our benevolent, and Tommy is our deacon in charge of benevolence and has already dealt uh, on a case-by-case -case basis with quite a few situations. In fact, just recently he filled up a car with gas for some ladies and dealt with another situation for about a three-day period. So we appreciate everything that Tommy does in that area as well as uh, so many other areas, who is our other preacher uh, here and as our deacon who is in charge of benevolence. We are, as elders, we're very excited, and, uh, and uh, the support uh, of the men for this additional expenditure uh, is there, we believe, and we trust the support of every member will be there. Uh, brethren, we just have too much money in the bank, we've determined. And if the Lord comes again... Uh, because the contribution has continued to be good, the balance has continued to be high, and um, we, need to, we need to do something with it. And that's been expressed. Brother Ron's expressed it. Others have expressed it. And, um, and you know, this may, not, this may not bring it down very much. If it doesn't, we'll have to find something else to spend it for to bring it down. But uh, there are always good works to help. But we are going to update this auditorium and the decision has been made that in 90 days from now the uh, the, the, the pews will be reupholstered the fronts and the backs will be reupholstered it'll be about a 90-day turnaround period and um, we are already in process getting ready to send them a deposit one-third $9,250 for that uh, pew upholstery upgrade and we're also looking at uh, the possibility of uh, updating in other ways as far as painting and brother Steve uh, has agreed to come in and take a look because a couple of the ladies and a very good suggestion said some of the pews have some nicks and, and discoloration and so forth on what will show after the pews are upholstered and uh, maybe we need to look at dressing them up a little before the upholstery is done and that was a good suggestion and we're going to do that very thing so uh, that will be done as well and we certainly hope that the pew upholstering will help to alleviate some of the discomfort factors, but 
uh, if, if it doesn't eliminate every situation, you'll know we tried, and, and it will definitely uh, update the, uh, the building, which has been beautifully updated in, I think, so many other areas, but it's time we feel for this. And this was based upon the input we got after we had said we were going to uh, not do this based on uh, what we heard from uh, the standpoint of don't do it, but then apparently I didn't word it well enough to get uh, uh, the way I expressed it perhaps, but uh, once we made that decision not to go forward, then we heard uh, uh, a lot more uh, saying please go forward, and therefore more saying go forward than those saying don't go forward. And we tried to be sensitive to the input of everyone and make the best decision that we could based upon that input. So that's where we are with that. I wanted to incorporate that into this portion of the lesson on goal setting. And I realize I'll run a little long, but I do that every now and then anyway when I'm not talking about these things. So uh, you won't be too shocked perhaps by that. But as we think about the cares of the world, they do distract and they do destroy many souls, and we do need to make sure that we are seeing the goal. Remember what Paul wrote in Colossians 3, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so self Evaluation is vitally important. Singleness of purpose, vitally important in terms of what Paul wrote here in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. And seeing the goal and keeping our eyes on that goal so that finally we can secure the prize. Securing the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The prize of the upward call of God. Now we said earlier that, that we've been laid hold of by Christ. And this is really a, another way of Paul saying that very thing. He's saying the prize of the upward call of God. Have you been called by God? Absolutely. By the gospel. Whereunto he called you by our gospel. To the obtaining of the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. The call only comes through the gospel. Paul answered the call of the gospel. Most of you have answered the call of the gospel. And that's what we must do if we're ever going to secure the prize. And as we said earlier, thanks be to God, it's not a prize for one winner who's faster than everyone else. It's a prize for all who run faithfully. We can all lay hold on that for which Christ has laid hold of us. And he did it through the gospel. Or he seeks to do it through the gospel if he hasn't laid hold of you at this point in time. Believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess him to be the Christ. Be buried with him in baptism for the remission of sins. If you haven't done those things, you haven't answered the call. The only call that will ever come, it's through the gospel of Christ. To those who have but may have turned back from that upward call and have answered and heeded the call of the world and been distracted and destroyed if you don't turn around by that call, come home. Come home to your first love in repentance. 
confession of sin that needs to be confessed publicly as we pray with you and for you as we stand to sing. Will you come?